You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. What is up, everybody? It is another Monday night show. Guys, I'm getting sick and tired of coming on this show and talking about Gamecock losses. Uh, It's not fun for me. It's not fun for you. It's not fun for anybody that supports the Gamecocks, but it is what it is. We're we're dealing with it all together. Uh, obviously, two and five overall, and one and four in the SEC is not what even the most pessimistic Gamecock fan would have predicted to start this season. Seven games in, tough schedule. I get it. Um, it's not fun to go play North Carolina on a neutral. Um, Georgia on the road, Tennessee on the road, Missouri on the road, um, and missing one more loss in there, uh, Florida at home. Uh, just it's not not a good start for the Gamecocks. Um, you know where where do you go from here? I think it's the bigger question. And uh, I mean, I've I've listened to. Parts and pieces of JB, Phil, and JC's show today. I've, you know, listened to some of the Southeastern Conference guys that are around the country talk about, talk about Gamecock athletics and especially Gamecock football. Um, I'm really excited for women's basketball right now. I'm really excited for Gamecock basketball. Um, it, it's just hard. And, and look, this is the first time that I've, actually worn Gamecock apparel on the show. Um, my mom, who is the sweetest, sweetest woman in the world, watches the show every Monday, and she asked me to wear Gamecock stuff on the show. So here I am, you know, repping my Gamecocks. And and look, we all have been there for the, the, uh, the 0-11, the 1-10, the tough times as Gamecock fans, and it's it's absolutely just... It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because as a Gamecock fan, you always feel like you are just, you know, one step away, two steps away. Like, if we can just clean this up, if we can do a little bit more here, um, a little bit more there, the Gamecocks are going to figure it out. And and so far this season, it's just, it's been tough. Um, hey, Ann Queen, still supporting. Love you, Ann. Yeah, let's go, Gamecocks. Um, Craig, Craig Goblin says, Hey Matt, what's good? Um, you know, what's good is I've had a day to kind of marinate on the loss. Um, I watched the game with my brother and his wife and my wife and my mom this past weekend. We were, we were so excited to watch the Gamecocks play and, you know, Gamecocks are family. And I think that's what, that's what brings a lot of Gamecock fans together each and every, each and every Saturday, whether, it's a home game, a road game, you know, whatever. Um, we're all rooting for the Gamecocks. So, gosh, it's just it's just tough. It's really tough right now. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of criticism on message boards. I see a lot of criticism on social media. And I'm not going to sit here and say that a lot of it is not is not warranted. I think that it is warranted. I think that a 34-12 to 12 loss against Missouri – is warranted. Missouri's a good football team, but I will say that just like I said last week and the past couple of weeks, like Missouri is not an elite football team. There is no reason that you should go to Missouri and lose by more points than you lost to Georgia on the road. And the Gamecocks, for whatever reason, just did not show up in the first half at all. And, you know, you guys, you know, talk to me in the chat box. Let me know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. But, you know, to get down 14 nothing to start the game, and, you know, we'll go through some of this play-by-play stuff like we always do on Mondays. But, you know, I, I wanted to – I shouldn't say this, but I wanted to turn the game off after, you know, the first half of the first quarter when the offensive line was clearly not protecting Spencer – you know, Mario is struggling to get anything going at all at running back. It just seemed like the Gamecock offense had no answers for Missouri. And then on defense, man, on defense, I mean, it seems pretty clear that we had 
no answer for Missouri's offense, especially in the first half. And, you know, I've heard JC talk about it. I've heard Whittle talk about it. I mean, I've talked to these guys about it. But the fact that we have so many second-half adjustments and, yeah, great, Missouri scored 10 points in the second half, but they scored 24 in the first half. You go back and look at it, and it's 24-3 to at the end of the first half with South Carolina getting the ball to start the second half. And, you know, you're already just trying to climb a mountaintop at that point. And, you know, we can say what we want about the Gamecock players kind of going through the motions a little bit when they got down 24 to 3, just, you know, just playing the game. And then whatever happened at halftime happened at halftime. I don't, I don't know what was said, but, you know, there, 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 there's a pride in wearing the Gamecock jersey. And, you know, if you look around the nation, there's not a lot of pride that, that people talk about with South Carolina. Um, you know, with Steve Spurrier, we had kind of our golden age of football with Lou Holtz. He kind of righted the ship. But Gamecock football has to have more pride than what they're showing right now. And I don't think it's all the players. I don't even think it's, you know, most of the players. I don't think it's half the players. But, you know, I do think there is a loss somewhere along the way of confidence on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know what's happening there. I mean, you can talk scheme, you can talk linebacker play, you can talk not getting after the quarterback, but even the secondary is giving up humongous, humongous plays on a regular basis. And, you know, just looking at the stats right here, and, I mean, I like to look at this stuff. Brady Cook was 14 of 24 for 198 yards and one touchdown. It's not like Missouri's wide receivers beat us to death. Uh, Luther Burden had a big game with four catches for 90 yards. I've been saying that Luther Burden's probably one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, I, I knew that was going to be a tough matchup. But when Cody Schrader, who had 26 carries for 159 yards and two touchdowns, and Brady Cook, the quarterback who we talked about a moment ago, has nine carries for 64 yards, it's just one of those things where it just looked too easy for Missouri. I mean, I can give Brady Brady Cook a hard time all I want about just being, you know, a marginally good quarterback in the SEC, probably not going to have an NFL future, but he didn't have to on Saturday, and that's the most disappointing thing. Spencer Rattler goes 23 of 40 for 217 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Xavier Leggett got hurt. I get it. But the Gamecocks got to have, you know, more options than what they showed in that game. And, you know, at one point Mario Anderson had six carries for 12 yards. Well, he finished with 12 carries for 68 yards and 5.7 yards per rush. I, I, I don't have a ton of blame for Dowa Loggins right now. And I, I think that's a lot because the offensive line is in shambles. Um, you know, the defensive the defensive side of the ball is just hemorrhaging points on the road, but also at home. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't think a four-two-five is what South Carolina needs to run anymore. I know that as as Gamecock fans, we all love the four-two-five under Ellis Johnson, but the athletes just are not there to run this to run this defense. Um, I talk about this a lot, but one of the things that I, I think about when I watch games that I, I like, you know, just kind of marinate on games is like staying connected. And when I say connected, for those of you the first time that are watching this show, and I take this from Ben Briner from the Big Spur, but it's, it's a three-point game, a seven-point game, either way. You know, once you get down by two scores, it's it's more difficult to come back, which like seems like common sense, but... Right now, the way I feel about Gamecock football is if the Gamecocks get down by two scores, the game is over. It, it reminds me of watching Virginia basketball. I mean, Virginia basketball, an eight-point lead might as well be a 30-point lead. You are not going to get back-to-back stops against Virginia. You're not going to not turn the ball over against Virginia basketball. And that's exactly what it feels like to me when I look at South Carolina football right now. It's inexcusable that you cannot get a touchdown against Missouri. 
I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I respect the players. I respect the coaches. But at some point, somebody has to say, okay, and we'll go to the play-by-play. We'll go to the play-by-play. But at some point, someone has to say, okay, it's third and four, it's fourth and two, or it's fourth and seven. And, yeah, we're in negative territory, but we got to get some freaking points on the board to to stay in this game, and it's just not happening right now. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'll take a pause right there. I want to look at some of the comments. We got a bunch coming in, but um, Craig Godwin says we're out of players. That A and M D line is going to destroy us, and I'm hoping for the best. But Shane Shane has to make some tough decisions after this year. Yeah, Craig. Um, I looked at the injury report as well. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is at offensive line. I mean, it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go, hey, these guys are really, really, really bad, and like the Gamecock offensive line is going to get even more manhandled than it already has, or we're all going to be asking after the Texas A&M game, why haven't these guys been playing? And it's a shame to me because I think that Spencer is kind of getting wasted this year. I don't know what the right answer is. I, I don't. I don't know. But you guys tell me if you disagree. But right now, Spencer, you know, even twenty-three for forty and uh, two hundred and seventeen yards, no touchdowns, one interception. I, outside of the interception, which you know was kind of late in the game, I feel like Spencer just gives us the best chance to win. And there, it, it's really hard for me to find fault in Spencer Rattler this year. And that was not the case last year. I think last year, you know, a combination of um, Satterfield and Rattler, you know, whatever whatever the reason was, it was not working. You know, this year, I think that Dallas done a really good job with Spencer. I think Spencer's done a really good job with the offense. I think it's a crying shame that the offensive line is not where it needs to be to even – Give Spencer, you know, 1.5 seconds. I mean, I think I saw a stat that the average quarterback has 2.5 or 2 seconds to make a decision. Like, Spencer doesn't have that. And it's really a shame because Dowa Loggins has talked about how he's coached quarterbacks in the past in the at the NFL that couldn't get past two or three progressions. And Spencer's going to progression one, two, three, four, but he's not getting a chance to do that. And that's that. That's one of the hardest parts for me um, right now, just watching the Gamecocks. Because look, I hope that Spencer goes on and has a phenomenal career in the NFL. I hope that he gets drafted. I hope that he has the opportunity because I think Spencer and I watch a lot of NFL. Like I I, I listen to NFL podcasts. I watch old NFL games. Like I watch twenty two film when it comes to NFL and Spencer Rattler. I'm just telling you right now, he can be a quarterback in the NFL, and I really hope he gets that chance. Um, let me keep looking here in the comments. Um, Craig Goblin also says, I think Missouri is really good. I give them a chance against Georgia. You know, I'm I'm warming up to Missouri. I don't think that the Gamecocks this past week is actually a good barometer for, you know, what Missouri is or isn't. I think that Georgia is going to have a much better defense than any defense that Missouri has played all season long. I know that, you know, Bowers is out for Georgia and probably not going to play in that game. And, you know, maybe, Craig, maybe you can tell me, is that, I'll look it up. I want to see where that game is. Because Georgia's been tested this year, but not, not to the level of, okay, so it's at Georgia. Yeah, Craig, I mean, I can go ahead and tell you, if you listen to my Thursday night show, or you know sometimes it's Fridays and I do my gambling picks, I will probably take Georgia to cover that game, whatever the spread is. I, I just don't think Missouri's there yet. Um, I, I've seen, but yeah, like Georgia. I mean, Georgia's a great team, you know, number one in the country for 19 straight weeks. But are they at, are they gonna, you know, stumble to Missouri at home with so much on the line? I, I don't think so. I think the moment's gonna be too big for Missouri, but. Don't get me wrong, Missouri is a better program than South Carolina right now. And, you know, maybe it's taken me a long time to get there. Maybe I'm living in the Spurrier years, but, you know, Missouri has been to, I think, two SEC East championships, or they've won two SEC East championships and been to the SEC championship twice. 
and that's you know double the times that South Carolina has been there since the Gamecocks have been in the SEC. So, yeah, Missouri is a great, great program. I think that they have 100% past Kentucky, past South Carolina, past Vanderbilt. I mean, you just go through the SEC. And, and look, I don't want to give um, Drinkowitz a lot, of, a lot of credit, but I was having a conversation with my brother on Saturday, and would I take him as South Carolina's head coach? Absolutely. Um, absolutely, I'd take him as South Carolina's head coach right now. Uh, development in Missouri is much better than us because they haven't recruited at an elite level. Yeah, I mean, Craig, I agree with you. I think Missouri is doing a really good job with, um, you know, what they have to work with. And they've gotten a couple five stars, a couple four stars. I mean, they might be what Kentucky wants to be when it comes to a developmental standpoint. And I think, you know, I might coin that phrase. I don't have a Twitter, but I might put that on Twitter. Missouri is what Kentucky wants to be. Uh, let's see, Craig, um, did the ease that other teams get seven and 10 yards on first down, no matter what team we are playing, it's like they have a cheat sheet on us. Come on, Clayton. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, Kingston says, I don't understand how we gave up 10, 11 yards on third down screens. It just seems so easy for other teams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Craig and Kingston are saying the exact same thing. It even goes back to Florida. Yeah. The odds that a team converts back-to-back fourth downs, you know, to have to stay in the game, not just win the game, but stay in the game, it, it's unbelievable at the lack of tackling. And, and look, Shane, Shane will tell you all day long that, you know, the coaches are putting players in position to be successful. But, I mean, at some point a trend becomes reality. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not watching practice. I'm not, you know, breaking down the film on the all 22 like these guys are. Um, but yeah, it, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, Craig, I got you there, man. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, JV says agree. Damn shame. Absolutely. Um, Craig says rather could have given up on these guys with his credit. He said all the right things, but he doesn't deserve this. Um, yeah, Kingston says, I don't think they'll sleep on Mizzou after that close call last year. Yeah, I agree with you, Kingston. I mean, I I, I think Georgia's going to have – I think they're going to cover that game, and, and we'll just see what happens. But, yeah, I, I like their chances. Yeah, and, you know, Rattler, so hard because, like, look, I don't know if I would continue if I was Spencer. Like, I like to think I'm a tough guy. I can handle, you know, a lot of adversity. But that dude just gets off the mat every single time. And it, it's hard It's hard to watch sometimes. And that's why I feel so bad for Spencer. And, you know, I, I, hear, I, I hear and I see on the message boards a lot of people talking about Lenore Sellers. You know, is Lenore going to be the person that, comes in and writes this ship and look, I am ridiculously high on Lenora Sellers. And I'm this is my first time in the media, right? Like, I mean, technically I'm a media personality, which still baffles my mind how this happened. But I will say, like, I've I've been around the block when it comes to preseason hype. And, and you know, maybe this year I got a little ahead of my skis, but it's because I knew how good Spencer was going to be. I I have utmost faith in Spencer Rattler. And the same things that I was hearing about Spencer, I'm hearing about Lenoris. And I don't know how quickly the offensive line recruits can get up to speed. But, you know, one of the biggest issues the Gamecocks have is just, you know, dealing with a blitz. And having two bookend tackles, whoever they're going to be next year, I think the freshmen are going to push the upperclassmen and I think that the combination of, you know, Lenoris's escapability, and, and this is not going to be a knock on Spencer, but it, it might come out as a knock on Spencer. And I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say before I say it. But Spencer really trusts his arm. And I don't blame him. He should trust his arm. He's got a howitzer. I've said it a lot of times. Like, Spencer has an arm that was touched by the gods. And that, that's all there is to it. And I think sometimes Spencer wants to kind of maneuver through the pocket, stay behind the line of scrimmage because he knows that he can put the ball where he wants it to 
where he wants it to go on a routine basis. And Lenoris doesn't have, you know, that kind of accuracy right now, but it's really close. Just going to be honest. It's really close. And I don't know what it's going to be like when he's facing, you know, live bullets like Spencer's facing right now. But I'm just going to tell you that Lenoris is very accurate. And Lenoris is not going to try and stay behind the line of scrimmage just to keep a pass open downfield. He's going to take the three yards, the 16 yards, the 21 yards. And, you know, with Spencer right now, it really is 11 guarding 10. And what I mean by that is that there are 11 defenders that only have to worry about, you know, basically stopping 10 offensive players. With Lenora Sellers, they're going to have to go 11 on 11. And Lenoris is quick enough, strong enough, agile enough to, and strong enough, powerful enough to break to break some of these arm tackles and and to continue moving down the field. Um, yeah. So um, Craig has a good point here. Not having juice has hugely impacted our year. He and Leggett would give defenses a big problem to deal with, but we don't have that other guy to go to with Leggett, and now he's hurt. Yeah. I mean. I I think that having juice, which you know Xavier Leggett is such a such a strong downfield pass catcher and just somebody that can take a screen and go or take a crossing route and go, and he's just so hard to bring down. I, I'm really excited for Xavier Leggett because I think that he's going to have a long NFL career. Juice is a little bit different. Juice gives you that opportunity to. You know, Juice can get downfield, don't get me wrong, but he's not really a guy that's going to be 35 yards downfield like Xavier is. And potentially that could have extended some plays that have not been extended so far. And I think that, you know, if Mario Anderson was somebody that could, you know, prove to the coaches he was ready week one, you had Juice ready week one, you had Xavier looking like Xavier right now, have a Marion as a number three, Omega's come on a little bit, um, get the tight ends going. I think that was the plan for this offense the entire season. And it's why I made some some predictions about Spencer breaking the single season passing yards record and the touchdown record. And it's and I thought we were gonna have potentially three to five All Americans and you know, one of those guys was Kai Kroger and we all know what's happening with Kai right now. Um you know, but those guys should be back. And to quote JC today, for those of you guys that missed the show, I mean, we are literally playing for the Gasparilla Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl. The Gamecocks have to go. Golly, it's hard to even say this out loud. But the Gamecocks have got to go. What is it? Got seven games. So seven games in, 12 to go. Four and one the rest of the way just to get to a bowl game. I'm just letting that sink in for myself right now because, you know, I, I think that – I think you got to chalk up the A&M game to a loss. I I, I just think you, you got to. Anybody disagree with that in, in the chat box? I think you got to chalk that one up to a loss. Um, Craig says, coaching malpractice, not putting Mario out there week one. I don't care about his pass pro. He's the only true running back we have, and the coaches had to see that. Yeah, Craig, um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I was told in the spring that, you know, put Mario Anderson in a Marshawn Lloyd jersey and no one would know the difference. And while he's not probably as agile as Marshawn Lloyd, he is very, very effective. And there's a reason that he was a Division II or whatever the divisions are now, um, Heisman finalist. The kid knows how to play football. I don't know what went into that decision. I've never, I have not gotten a clear answer on it. But what I can tell you is that, I mean, Mario Anderson was a beast in the weight room. And the only thing I can tell you is, you know, hearing, I think it was, it was Dowell talking about, you know, maybe humbling Mario a little bit and, you know, taking Mario down a notch to understand you play in the SEC now. Maybe he was just ready, and you know we talked about practice, and JC talked about it today on his show. 
with JB and Phil, but you know, some guys are just gamers and you can't, and the way that college is becoming right now, I, I think that, you know, it's almost a semi pro league. And if a player doesn't want to practice, but he shows up on, on Saturday as a SEC head coach, there's just not a lot to be said about teaching a lesson to a, you know, Mario's, Mario's 21, 22 years old. Eddie Lewis is 21, 22 years old. Um, there, there's something to be said nowadays for, I need you to do your job so I can be successful at my job. And that might just be a changing of the mentality for college coaches right now because, you know, I've, I've coached five and six year olds basketball team at the Y. I've coached middle school teams. I've helped coach high school teams. Um, and I should say I helped coach middle school teams. I wasn't the head coach, but you know, there's time for life, life lessons, but when your job depends or your, your livelihood, and I know these coaches are making bukus of money and they can probably retire right now if they've invested their money right. There's just something to be said about this being a business and it's kind of a business right now. Um, so yeah, with going back to Mario Anderson and to carry on and everything that goes along with that. Yeah. They probably should have, you know, put Mario Anderson and, in a, on a bigger stage earlier. And who knows if that would have changed anything against North Carolina. I mean, the offensive line was the worst. I don't know what was worse, you know, watching the offensive line throughout the game against North Carolina or watching the offensive line against Missouri. It was incredibly difficult, um, both games. Yeah, JB says Mario wasn't ready and kind of what I was saying. I mean, he probably I, – I mean, I heard he probably wasn't ready, but at the same time I just wanted to see him – see what he could do and just be given an opportunity because sometimes the lights come on and you're talking about a 22 year old man with a child. Like he knows what he knows that this is his livelihood. Uh, Kingston says A&M is going to be a, a house of horrors for a O-line. You know, honestly, Kingston, when is going to A&M not been a house of horrors for the Gamecocks? I mean, I think, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, was the Antonio Hefner game at Texas A&M, or were they not in the conference yet? I know maybe that was at Auburn, but that was a house of horrors. Yeah, I don't think the Gamecocks, I'd love to see the stats on this, but, um, you know, what are the Gamecocks' record around Halloween? I just remember my 21st birthday, I went to Knoxville, Tennessee, to watch the Gamecocks play against Lane Kiffin, and, you know, they were wearing their orange jerseys, came out in black jerseys, and it absolutely was a bloodbath. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, we got to look at the rest of the year. Uh, Texas A&M, you know, uh, so what's that, Kingston, 2015? I was out there for that one, and it was a fun game. Everything else, sheesh. Yeah. Ugh, gosh. Don't like to think about those times. Um, But looking at the South Carolina schedule, Texas A&M, 12 o'clock this weekend. I think that I think Texas A&M opened up as a 14-point favorite. You know, honestly, I feel like you kind of – same thing I said when the Gamecocks played Missouri. You kind of just – until they prove that they can beat a, a team on the road, until they prove that, you know, they can cover a spread on the road, it's going to be hard for me to pick the Gamecocks. I, and, and, and it kind of hurts my soul a little bit because, you know, after that you have really no margin for error. You're going to have to beat Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. I mean, guys in the chat, like, do y'all actually have concern about South Carolina beating Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt right now? I, I might give you guys some time here because I've kind of toyed with that. And it's a far cry from me saying that the Gamecocks were going to win, you know, nine plus games at the beginning of the year. But, you know, let me look at Jacksonville State. I, I really don't think I need to look at Vanderbilt. I think that Vanderbilt might just be the. Oh my gosh. Okay. So JV says yes. Anybody else got got worries about Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt? I'm just going to say Vandy is like a Tulsa. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Craig, and that's the thing. You know, Craig has a good point and and JV does too. You know, Vanderbilt and and Jacksonville State are looking at us are looking at us as their chance to get a win. 
yeah, and that that's the, that's the ultimate question, I think. And I think it's a really good point that you brought up. Is South Carolina going to die on the mat? Are they going to lay down and quit? Because if they lose to Texas A&M this weekend, which is probably likely, but not a definite, you know, we've seen Spencer do crazier things against Tennessee last year and Clemson and just will a team to victory, you know, obviously without Juice and maybe without Xavier Leggett. But so Kingston says, if we can't generate any turnovers, we'll probably lose to Vanderbilt. We just can't stop anyone. It's a valid point, and I think that, you know, okay, so, oh, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to rationalize this. This is not something that I can, I've really thought about. But, so Gamecocks lose to a and I, I think they have, they're, they're going to beat Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. And if anybody wants to do, you know, a prop bet here or a bet on this game. I'll, 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 I'll do something cool for you. I'll, I'll give, I don't know. I'll give you a shout out. I already give you shout outs, but you know, I will have you, I'll have you as a guest or something. <laughs> but I'll have you a guest on the show, but no, nah, I think the Gamecocks are going to be Jacksonville state of Vanderbilt. Yeah. JB, you know, you, you're seeing like all the cogs working in my mind. Like how the heck would that even happen? Um, like Craig says, but five years in Spurrier's record wasn't great. So if we think Shane is the guy, he needs to find a DC and not keep changing. Um, and not keep changing. And we don't need to keep changing head coaches. Okay. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was thinking about today. I think that, yeah, I don't, I don't know this to be true, but Shane's in year three at South Carolina. And after year two, his offensive coordinator got a promotion to go to Nebraska. You know, you can try and paint that pig any way you want to paint it. That was not a promotion to go to Nebraska. Um, that was Matt Rule bailing out his friend because Satterfield was going to be fired. And I know there's a lot of conjecture on the Big Spur message boards, on probably any other message board that exists, Twitter, 100% absolutely I can tell you that Satterfield was not going to be retained. So, you know, you have, you know, your first hire as a head coach is Satterfield that, that was not going to be retained after year two. Okay, so now you look at Clayton White, and right now it's really difficult to see Clayton White coming back to South Carolina. It It, it almost feels like the Satterfield – year one is Clayton White's year three. So I don't know what happens. And I mean, look, Kingston, how many decommits do we get if we fire Clayton White though? That's the trickle down effect of that of an, that on recruiting Clayton shouldn't have gotten on the plane out of Como, but I'm worried about recruits. Recruits are a weird thing, man. Like the things that we think would matter to a recruit don't always matter. Um, sometimes it's a head coach. Sometimes it's a position coach. Sometimes it's just somebody that is on campus at South Carolina that they genuinely connect with. Sometimes it's, you know, the actual education they're going to receive, the major they want. Sometimes it's playing time. Sometimes it's really difficult to figure out, you know, how a coaching change would impact where a recruit wants to go to school. I I mean, you know, let's just, I mean, I, I don't know the best way to do this. So I'm just going to pull up, you know, thebigsquare.com. If you're not a member of thebigsquare.com, it's the, the best time to be a member. You will see a lot of in-house fighting <laughs> with a lot of the message board posters, and you will see a lot of conversation about NIL. You'll see a lot of fire this coach, fire that coach. Um, hey Yoda, good to see you. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, sorry, so I'm pulling out the commitment list right now. Craig, he's not in over his head. He just needs to get a running back coach at DC. Keep this recruiting class together. The help is coming, but we will never be Georgia. We have to do more with less. Absolutely, Craig, you're right. Um, Yoda, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, this this starts at nine o'clock every Monday night. So. Feel free to join every Monday night going forward. I take no time off on Monday nights. 
Um, but yeah, also if, if you, if you enjoy yourself on this show, you can always find this on, um, whatever, wherever you get podcasts, whether Spotify, Apple, whatever, just go to, um, what is this? The late night Gamecock show. You can probably find it on iTunes or I'm sure that Phil will post a link. If you follow the, the, um, the show, uh, that JC, Phil and JB do, you'll probably find a link to it there. So looking at, looking at recruits, uh, Dylan Stewart, I think is pretty locked in. Uh, Josiah Thompson doesn't, he's not connected at all to Clayton White. Michael Smith, not connected to Clayton White. Fred Johnson, linebacker, but I, I don't think the Gamecocks would lose him. You know, looking through a window, Gregory, Cam Pringle, um, I, I think it all it all depends on who the Gamecocks hire, but then on top of that, it becomes, you know, who does that defensive coordinator want? You know, like what position coaches are still going to have a job with the change? So it's not necessarily like Clayton White. It's you know what happens after a coaching shakeup, and I, I don't have the answer for that. Um, yeah, thanks, Phil. Appreciate that. Um, Anybody looking for the show and you know where you can find it, Phil just posted in the in the comments. So yeah, um, I I don't know how much it would impact the Gamecocks because you look through it like Jalewis Solomon's not going to go anywhere. Uh, Braden Lee is kind of iffy already, but yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that many of the commitments. I mean, the big one everyone's going to freak out about is Dylan Stewart, but I think he's pretty solid. I mean, he's watching what's happening. He hasn't taken a visit anywhere else in the country other than South Carolina. He made the decision that when he committed South Carolina, it was over. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I'm that worried about decommitments and you know the age old question is kind of like a chicken or an egg. You know what came first, the chicken or the egg? But would you rather have a bad de- defensive coordinator or would you rather have a great recruiting class? And you know for me, I don't think Clayton White's a bad defensive coordinator. I think that he's been figured out right now. I mean, nobody can tell me otherwise. And, you know, Clayton, I love you to death, man, but, you know, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And I'm Clayton's biggest supporter. I really think that he manufactured manufactured turnovers at a rate that I've never seen at South Carolina, you know, since, like, Coach Simpson was playing. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so let's see what's going on here. Craig watched – Braden Staley this weekend had two TDs. He's about the same size and athleticism as Mazio. We need to flip him. Yeah, Craig, I mean, I think that the Gamecocks, you know, kind of, you know, ran the race with Jonathan Paler. I think that they ran the race with Keelan Adams. And, you know, Bray, I think it's, it's a Braden or Braylon Stanley. I can't, I, I might be forgetting that one right now, but, but yeah, um, yeah, I think you you try and flip him. I I don't know, you know, where that stands right now. I don't think the Gamecocks would have extended an offer this late in the process. You know, I think that the Gamecocks have a really good chance at Cameron Fountain and um, Quay Sheet Scott. I think they have a really good chance of flipping him. I don't know if you guys should count on Daniel Hill to be a part of this recruiting class right now. I think that you know you talk about Staley. I think they have a chance there. I don't think the Gamecocks are going to take players that they are not absolutely certain are going to be game changers, you know, long term. I think the Gamecock coaching staff understands that the transfer portal can be their friend, you know, obviously. And golly, it's 940, so I don't want to go on an NIL rant. But, you know, if the Gamecocks are only going to take elite players in the recruiting class and players that they won't, then, um, yeah, Phil. Phil just told me on the side, Braylon Stanley. Staley. I thought that was correct. Um, but you know, if the Gamecocks are only going to take players that they feel like are SEC caliber four, you know, not even four star, but just SEC caliber players, then NIL is going to have to improve. And it's 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 keeping your players and it's you know going out in the transfer portal because it's an 85 scholarship limit in August. Doesn't matter how many players you sign or you get in the transfer portal. Got to have 85 by August, and you, you've seen it around the country. There might be some. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, just siphoning down the roster. You know, you think about like a 
like you know, like a V and like, okay, well this player can he doesn't fit through. So I mean I don't know the best way to say it, but you know, there's gotta be something for the Gamecocks to be competitive long term and there are too many bodies on the team right now that probably you know need to be a step lower. Um so Craig says, why do we only still focus on Hill? There aren't any other running backs out there that we can take a shot on when our running back room is vacant. You know, Craig, I can tell you that running back is one of those one of those positions on the field that, you know, a lot of teams use two or three. A lot of teams use one or two. And it might be worthwhile to go to the portal for, for running backs. You know, running backs have a steep it's not a steep learning curve, but a lot of running backs just physically aren't built the way that they need to be built to go to the SEC as a freshman. I mean, there's not that many. Marcus Lattimore is just, you know, knocking on the door. There's not that many guys that are physically ready to do it. So, you know, maybe it's you take a guy from the portal who had a lot of potential coming out of high school and they've gone through a, a year of strength and conditioning. They've gotten bigger. They've gotten stronger. Um, that might be the route that the Gamecock coaches want to take. And, and that's not something I've heard. I've heard, um, you know, directly from anybody inside the Gamecock football office, but it's a thought that I've had. I mean, hey, for those of you that weren't around for the summer, I've, I've thought for a long time that if you find an elite running back at the high school ranks, go ahead and put an NIL package together for him, help him graduate early, let him redshirt his first year, you know, what would be his senior year in high school and let him hit the ground running as a redshirt freshman that, that takes, you know, carries off of his legs. It lets him already be one year closer to going to the NFL. I don't know why more schools don't do that. And maybe that's a route the Gamecock coaches could take this year. Um, it's one of those things. And, and let me know if I'm crazy in the comments, guys. But, you know, at, at running back, you kind of know what, how a guy's going to project and you don't need his senior season to say, oh, this guy knows how to run horizontally and vertically and make guys miss. I mean, you can pretty much tell that as a junior. So I've always thought, like, go ahead and give the kid an NIL package, get him on campus, you know, let him go through the motions and redshirt him and take and take him out as a redshirt freshman. Um, yeah, Craig, I mean, they want money in the portal and we got outbid. I mean, obviously, I know who you're talking about with um, Logan Diggs. Um, that one wasn't necessarily one where we got outbid. I think he just wanted to go to LSU. Um, Gamecocks were definitely – they didn't I, – I can go ahead and say this. They were lower on the NIL package than LSU was, but at the same time, I don't think it would have mattered. You have the kid from NC State that went, went to Kentucky. Um, he hasn't really been that great so far for Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, running back's just tough. I mean, I think getting Mario Anderson was, you know, just an absolute great find by the football staff, and and they had to – they just didn't find a way to get him going early enough this season, not that it would even made a difference. I mean, Gamecocks are, are two and five, so you tell me what they can do different. Uh, Will McLean or Will McLean says they should just go get Jimmy Smith from Arkansas. Hey, look, they might. Um, Dowell Loggins has a really good relationship with Jimmy Smith. I thought it was close to happening um, last year when Dowell came over, but um, Montario got another year, and and we'll see what happens there. I think that you know it's one of those things where like Clayton White. I said I love Clayton White. I, I really do. I think that this year kind of sucks. I don't know what the what the reason is, but I think Clayton's done a pretty good job overall. Um, I, I I think that at the end of the year, whatever happens. Um, you know, the rest of the way, whether Gamecocks go bowling or not, Shane's going to have a lot of questions that he's probably asking himself right now about, is this the best way to go forward? And, and it's a, I'm not envious because I manage a team of, of folks at the company that I work for, and I would hate to have to make that decision. I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, I work with people that I, I want to work with. I, I enjoy going to work each day. And I think that we're all moving towards the right goal. And, and, you know, the record shows that. But, and my record <laughs> shows that with, the, you know, my company. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to make changes. Um, Craig says, what if we didn't find Mario or didn't have Spencer? I don't want to think about that, Craig. <laughs> I mean, 
I probably two and five <laughs> this year. Um, Rocket Sanders has another year of eligibility. Just saying, yeah, will. Um, you know, Rockets had a tough year this year. Who knows what would happen? I mean, that he probably just wants to go ahead and take his chances at the NFL or you know, the Arena League, whatever the alternatives are right now for those guys. Um, Kingston says, I'm so glad that Mario has another year. Can't imagine what we would do at running back without him. Yeah. And look, I think that with Mario, you, you kind of have solid footing. I don't think he's going to get drafted. And, you know, it's one of those things that kind of stinks. And the way I'm talking about Rocket Sanders right now is like at some point you kind of age out of that running back position. You might just be a great high school or not great high school, great college running back. And that might be what happens with Mario. And, it's a blessing for the Gamecocks, and it takes you back to the older years where kids stayed four or five years in school, and they stayed at the same school the entire time. And, you know, I'll be the biggest fan of Mario Mario Anderson if that happens. Um, yeah, Rocket and Juice are in the same boat. Both have another year, but they probably need to move on. It, it's one of those things where, you know, NIL has changed that, um, Craig. You know, I, I don't know what Juice will do. I don't know what Rocket will do. Obviously, I know more about Juice, but you know, Juice has a number that, you know, NIL would make sense for him to come back. I think about Gonzaga and Drew Timmy and Kentucky and Oscar Sheboy when you talk about basketball players. And running back kind of has gone the way of, you know, traditional big men in college basketball where, like, Hunter Dickinson supposedly is making, like, $2 million this year to go play, you know, center power forward at Kansas. He would not have made that money overseas or um, in the NBA, he probably would have gone overseas if he declared for the NBA draft. Same way with Oscar Sheboy and um, Drew Timmy. It's just sometimes dynamics change and and things change where you're not in demand anymore at that next level. And you know, Rocket and Juice have to answer that question for themselves. How likely is it that I'm going to actually make X amount of dollars at the NFL or? Do I need to start thinking about a career after football? I'm not saying that's the case for either of them, but, you know, my brother played college basketball and, you know, there was a stat that 97% of players go professional in something other than the sport they played in college. And it's just very true. Um, It's very true. So, you know, sometimes you got to think about life after football and I think NIL helps with that. Uh, Kingston says there were some guys – there were some guy there was some guy behind me at Como saying that he was mad that Juice was hurt and that Juice's injury was a waste of NIL money that the guys donated. Such a ridiculous comment. Yeah. Um, um Craig says I heard Juice is near the top in NIL and the SEC. So come some come on back. Sellers' juice sounds great to me. Yeah, I mean JC and you know, those guys that Park Avenue and Carolina Rise do a great job and and trying to make sure that the Gamecock players are are treated properly and you know I don't know if Juice is making near the top on the SEC I don't I don't have all those numbers but for what Juice did last year and you know the going right yeah a healthy Juice would have been worth every bit of that investment and I think that long term the Gamecocks are going to have to you know have a robust robust NIL package for existing and future players. I think that's just until the NCAA changes the rules and I don't like the rules. I wish that they got a share of TV contracts or, you know, selling. I mean, they can obviously sell jerseys now, but you know, the way the rules are right now, Gamecock fans, I mean, either, you know, enjoy your Saturdays and knowing the Gamecocks probably aren't going to have a good chance or find something else to do on Saturdays, or if you want to see the Gamecocks do well, I would encourage you to do the 1801 a month. I mean, and I would never encourage somebody that can't, you know, afford it. Obviously I would never do that. Or somebody that's just absolutely against it, but the colleges can't do anything. It's up to the fans. And that's the way the NCAA has made it. I disagree with virtually everything the NCAA has done for the last five to 10 years, but it's just the world we live in and the NCAA is spineless. They're, they're trying to hold out until somebody breaks away. And I think it's coming in the next couple of years. 
I would I would say in the next five to ten years, there's not going to be an NCAA the way you see it right now. There might be smaller colleges that that stay, and I'm, when I say smaller, I'm not talking about like Francis Marion where I where I'm from, but I think you're going to see that a lot of these you know Power Five schools are going to break away from the NCAA because a lot of their rules don't make sense, and as this stuff gets more monetized, the NCAA isn't going to rule over it. But any any last questions? Um, we got a couple minutes left. I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point. I always say I'll give NIL five minutes, and I think that was my five minutes on NIL. But Gamecocks have a have a obviously a big road test against Texas A and M coming up. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, way to go, Craig Swamp Foxes. Absolutely, that's where I got my my MBA. So I love I love Francis Marion, but yeah, Gamecocks have a really really tough tough road game this week. One thing I can tell you is Shane Beamer's team seem to get off the mat. I don't know how. Um, one of my biggest regrets actually is not going to the South Carolina Tennessee game last year because I just knew it was going to be a seventy to three game and. You know, obviously the Gamecocks got off the mat and, and they did something. <laughs> so um they they did a thing. Some people did a thing. That's what that's what South Carolina did to Tennessee last year. But anyway, um hope the Gamecocks can find a way to make something happen this week in um in Aggieland. Um I'm gonna do my best to give a preview on Thursday. I hope you guys all listen to the podcast on Thursday. I'll, I'll, I'll try and paint a picture of how South Carolina can win, but I'll also give you, you know, my my real take, which you guys kind of know where that's going to go unless some crazy things happen between now and then. But I appreciate you guys giving me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. You guys don't – you I, I can't explain how much I appreciate all of you coming here on Monday nights and spending time with me. I it it does not go unnoticed. I'm so appreciative. So thank you again. And if there's anything that I can ever do for any of you, just let me know. Um, I'll be back Thursday. And um, you know, I should say if you if you want to get a hold of me, uh, late night gamecock show at gmail dot com, or you can get a hold of me on the Big Spur message board under the username Matt Anderson. And um, I'll, I'll catch you all next time on the late night gamecock show. Hope you have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk soon.